Jay from New Jersey, it's the SNL Nerds, the show where two comics from New Jersey nerd out about Saturday Night Live. I'm your co-host, John Trumbull. And I'm your co-host, Darren Patterson. Hey, Darren, how you doing? How you doing good, sir? Here in the hot and hazy days of summer. We're, we're doing all right, living the life, chasing the dream. All right, that time I, I realized I said it, but I'm going to keep 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 on keeping on with that one. Okay, that's fine. I and mean, I, I have come to accept that. As one of your verbal tics, and I have many of my own, so. Right. Yeah. Like, I think, uh, if I think, I, I feel like if I say it enough times, it'll be like my catchphrase, and mm-hmm. we'll be able to put it on t shirts, monetize it, get, sure. this, get this podcast up and running, make some ducats, some buku bucks. That would be nice. I feel that's the way. And, and oh, Lord, I, where are my manners? John, we have a guest here in the studio what? with us. Yeah. What? Yeah. How yeah. do you think you guest in here? Huh? Yeah, we have a guest here today, my friend. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have a, a, lov- a lovely, lovely guest. Uh, an old friend of mine from college uh, who's a huge fan of our little podcast. Uh, she's, I don't know, what, what can I say about her? She's fantastic. She's wonderful. Uh, we both we both met in college, like I said, and we both share the same love of all things pop culture and nerdy. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Joanna Maharaj. Yeah. I'm clapping for myself. Is that back? Yeah, no. no, that's fine. That's fine. No, please. How you Hi doing, Joe? Oh my gosh. This this is such an honor to be here. Thank you for having me. We're happy to have you here. Yes. I, I would just like to point out that recording with the SNL nerds on a Saturday night is just so meta. Mm. It kind of uh, is. And oddly enough, this is not our usual record day. Usually yeah. we record it on a Sunday. On a Sunday, I know. <laughs> we we tape it from New Jersey on a Sunday. We don't we don't after, hit, we don't take any the of the boxes. Has, <laughs> that's right. After the show has aired. Yes, that's that's usually a good time to do a recap. Like originally when we were putting the show together, our, our producer, super producer Frank Ablawi. You you could do the show live right after SNL ends, and I was like, I don't want to stay up until three a.m. every damn night. There's no point, especially now that Showtime at the Apollo is not on after. Right, I, I am in my forties, sir. I do not want to do that. Just saying it sounds exhaust exhausts me. Exactly. I'm not gonna lie. I have a. I sometimes I have to set an alarm for eleven thirty. Oh boy. Take a little disco nap. Okay. I will. I mean, I will. I will say it. It is a good thing that I just record every new episode of the show because a few times I've nodded off during the live show. There's no shame in that. There's no shame in that. There's no shame. We're not here. We do not shame here. Yeah. I'm glad Hulu actually plays it the next day. So I'm like, okay. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I don't think too many people watch it live really anymore like i mean uh, uh you know super nerds like us do but i think the average joe off the street either watches it like in clips on youtube or on hulu now so i think just watching it after it comes on is like the norm at this point yeah I had to guess. yeah you, you two are doing the lord's work yeah. we really are well, we, really we are. try to part of the reason we try to watch the sh- the actual show live is you know one we want to do the sketches in the same order they air on the show and two Sometimes there are things in the live show that don't make it to YouTube. So, you know, if there's some, if there's some screw up, you know, somebody drops an F-bomb, there's spontaneous nudity or something, which is always the hope. (laughs) Um, 
Fingers crossed. Always. I mean, we want we just want to catch that. <laughs> so. All right. And see them nips. <laughs> Way to keep it classy, dear. What you you're the one that said <laughs> He didn't those, say whose nips. I didn't yeah. say see those nips. <laughs> I could mean dude nips. You don't know. He could mean the chewy little chocolate candy that were right. Okay, okay. All Absolutely. Right. All nips matter, John. Okay. <laughs> You're going to have a conversation with our HR department after uh, we finish the recording. Just, again? It's, I mean, it's it. just the policy, okay? Wow, this is like my third one this week. I, I know, I know. And we've only recorded two episodes this week. I don't I don't see how this keeps happening. Oh, I but anyway, speaking of problematic men, uh, <laughs> our, our movie this week is the 2016 remake of Ghostbusters, starring... Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiig, Kate McKinnon, Leslie Jones, and Cecily Strong's in there briefly as well. Is that uh, anybody? Did you skip anybody? Chris Hemsworth! Oh, holy crap. Oh, my God. Uh, um, yes. Well, Chris, Hemsworth. Yes. <laughs> Chris Hemsworth is also in this film. And he's very handsome. He's so <laughs> handsome! He's a handsome, he's a handsome, handsome man. Yes. <laughs> And he smells like fresh laundry. <laughs> How do you know that? Because I met him. Oh, right. Yes, you did. Like, wait, when did you meet him? I met him. Uh, I met him 10 years ago at WizardCon. It was the best $150 my ex ever spent on me. Nice. Was this like a photo opportunity? It was. Nice. Yeah, I went with my friend Jessica who is also an Aussie, and she's six one and blonde, and it was actually a honest-to-goodness Las Vegas showgirl. Wow. So guess who was getting the attention? She was a showgirl. She did wear yellow feathers in her hair. I knew it. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, we've we've got to see that picture. you got to email us that picture I when, will, when we're done with this. I am, I'm very curious about this now. Yeah, the picture looks like this gorgeous <laughs> Australian couple adopted this little pygmy girl. <laughs> and she's wearing her little Lego Thor t-shirt because that's her dad now. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, Australians, they... they they grow them big and beautiful down in Australia. I don't it's know what it Vegemite. is. It's got to be the Vegemite. It must be. It's like, what, Hemsworth, Margot Robbie, uh, yeah. others? The other Hemsworths? Yeah, all the other Hemsworths? My God, they're all like Adonises. Like, it, they are a super race. Um, yeah. Oh, boy. They've just... <laughs> no, I mean that in the best possible way. <laughs> I know you just came very close to saying master race, and I, I started to swear. No, no, I don't. Yeah, no, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. Okay. I do not want to get canceled. Thor, Thor, Thor is, 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 is a, a god. That's true. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I I did actually once see Margot Robbie at a, a New York convention. Um, didn't get to act. I didn't get to actually meet her. She was doing like an autograph thing, but I I was. Very close to her, just a stupefying in person. So, yes. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. I'm so looking forward to Barbie. We are we're living in a golden age of attractive Australians, people. Mm. Oh, that was on the Barbie. This is it. <laughs> Absolutely. But before we go into the movie Ghostbusters for today, uh, Joanna, as we ask all our guests, um, 
What was your SNL journey? Are you a casual fan of the show? Are you a diehard fan? you have any favorite cast members, eras, sketches? Just, uh, you know, just, uh, just walk us down your thoughts on SNL as a whole and take us on your oh. SNL journey. I was born in... No. <laughs> um, my SNL journey was like any other kids growing up in, in the 80s and 90s. You want to stay up late because SNL is a cool... You know, on Friday, you want... I'm so aging myself. <laughs> Friday night, you want to stay up for Friday night videos. Oh, sure. Yeah. Mm. And then you want to try and have lightning strike twice and stay up for Saturday Night Live. Mm. it's live and just like you guys are saying you're kind of hoping like someone's gonna say something they shouldn't or someone's gonna mess up and they can't do a retake yeah and then you know as you get older the musical groups you you know you start growing up with you're like oh my god they're gonna be on snl you know and then like a huge episode for me is when madonna was the musical guest oh yeah and when she hosted I think she just married Sean. Oh wow, yeah, I remember that so one. That was like mid eighties. I don't I don't know if I remember Madonna hosting. I remember I remember Sean Penn hosting in the eighties. Yeah. And he did a thing because like it was it was that time when he was like punching all the paparazzi. Yeah. Um and and he and he came out and he was like, Oh yeah, there are a lot of there are a lot of misunderstandings about me. Like people think I'm married to Madonna. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think her opening sketch was um, they were showing the wedding because I mean that was the wedding at the time Sean Penn marry Madonna mm-hmm. and um, you know she said so this is Sean's side of the family you just see all these people like hiding their face like, <laughs> and then she's like and this is mine it's just everyone wearing the, the spandex lace and the earrings and everything and then was she, it, was, did they have the cone bra thing or was it too early for that it was it was it was Pre Combra, it was wow. very lucky star, like a virgin Madonna. Oh yeah, okay. And a lot okay. of the lace, a lot of the bangles. Right. Bangle bracelets, not the bangles. The sliding, bracelets. sliding those Ray Bands up. Sliding those right. Ray Bands up. Uh, yeah, I think I remember that episode. It's like, yeah, we see Madonna's side of the family, and they're all dressed like Madonna. Yeah. And then she says, "Oh, but you know, that's my cousin. She's kind of like the black sheep of the family." And they cut to her, and she's dressed like Cindy Lauper. Yes, because <laughs> that's back when there was that Madonna Cindy Lauper sort of battle. Uh, yeah, I looked it up just now. That's the Madonna episode from 1985 with musical guest Simple Minds. Keep holding that's, on. That's always so weird when they have a musician host and then they have another musician as the musical guest. <laughs> yeah, it's they like they didn't want to overburden her. Yeah, but you know, Madonna's right there, you guys. <laughs> We got a microphone. Just go up there and sing. I forget when she was the musical guest. I forget who the host was, but it was right after uh, Bill Clinton had been elected. And she did kind of like the Marilyn Monroe uh, happy birthday, but except it was happy inauguration. Oh, cute. Oh, yeah. And it was like uh, he was singing to um, Phil Hartman, who was Bill Clinton, right? Yeah. Yes. And then, oh. and then we realized she wasn't really singing to Bill. She was singing to Chelsea. Oh, my. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Just Wait, how old was Chelsea back then? She was, like, just a teenager, right? Yeah, she was. Let's, let's, yeah, don't, 
Yeah, if you think about it, it's like, oh, that was inappropriate. Oh, 1992. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> You're so retroactively creepy. <laughs> Oh dear! Oh dear! Okay, so I think that's all right. Yeah, that's from the 1993 episode where Madonna was a musical guest and the host was Harvey Keitel. Oh, it was the wolf. <laughs> There's a combo for you, Harvey Keitel and Madonna. Yeah, that's that's yeah. I like it. It works. I think it works. I think so. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a neat combo. That's a neat combo. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Harvey Keitel at that point, I think, was kind of like getting this sex symbol status for the piano. Oh yeah, that was around the piano. That was definitely around like Reservoir Dogs time. Yeah, yeah. The Pulp Fiction wouldn't have been out quite yet, but uh... I remember like my aunts talking about the piano, and they were they were kind of impressed that Harvey showed all eighty eight keys there. <laughs> Hey, <laughs> 88 keys and nips. <laughs> callback, callback. That's a callback, a callback. <laughs> so, uh, Joanna, you, you actually saw the 2016 Ghostbusters back when it was first released. Now, Darren I and did. I, we both skipped it back in the day. So this was our very first time watching the movie. Uh, from beginning to end. I did. I answered the call. You answered the call. Okay, let's talk about that tagline for a few minutes because I don't think that's a good tagline. I mean... Uh, yeah, I mean, I know it's like a play on who you're going to call. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, still answer the call. It's kind of... It's not that catchy and it's kind of like... It's okay. not that catchy. It's not funny. It's just there and it's just sort of referencing the old movie and i don't yeah. get why they couldn't come up with something better yeah i mean that kind of sums up my feelings on this movie in general but that's but we'll get there we'll get there yeah my my theory was it was gonna be answer the call and um i'm trying to word this <laughs> Okay. I think it was gonna be more like they were like yeah this isn't this isn't the ghostbusters you grew up with Right. Answering the call is more like urgency because it's, they have some really kind of like thrilling, like kind of creepy moments in this, in Ghostbusters 2016. Mm -hmm. So like the, the one up, because I went with a bunch of my girlfriends and there was some, like the first, the first kind of interaction with the ghost, the, the poor guy who works in the museum, mm -hmm. you know, that was kind of terrifying. And then yeah, uh, yeah. And and then when they're at the concert, you know, like they're going backstage and everything, and the mannequins and Leslie Jones was, you know, she did the, you know, what every woman of color, nope. Didn't <laughs> I'm a leaf. Um, this is not for me. But when the mannequin kind of turns its head, that was really creepy. That was a little creepy. I, like the opening scene, I thought was a little weird because it it starts out with this whole big thing of exposition about the mansion that uh, dude from the office in Silicon Valley. Uh, Zach Woods. Zach Woods, thank you. Um, like, he's leading a tour group around, and he's like, oh, well, here's all the creepy stuff that happened at this mansion back in the day. And I was like, okay, this is a lot of exposition you're hitting me with right off the bat, and I have no idea if I'm supposed to remember this all or not. Right. Is, this, is this just throwaway stuff for your opening gag, or is this 
are you setting up the main plot of the movie 30 seconds in? <laughs> yeah, there was a I mean there was a lot of exposition with that one thing. Like I immediately thought, oh, okay, so this is gonna be part this is gonna be like a big part of the movie. Mm-hmm. And uh no, it's not no, a big not part so of the movie at all. No. Um, I think what they were trying to do there was they were trying to like kind of just make kind of flip flop it from the original because the original yeah. had nothing to do with the library other than a ghost. Well, yeah, that's it, true. It did seem like a little bit of a flipped version of the opening of the nineteen eighty four original, and I and you know I'm I'm sorry, it's it's really just impossible to judge this movie on its own terms because it's constantly yeah rolling back to the nineteen eighty four version. And so you you can't help but compare it to that. Uh, and I think that was part yeah. of what kept me from seeing it back in the day because the uniforms are so similar. The, the equipment is so similar. They have the same logo. They've got the Ecto-1. The Ecto-1's a little different, but... It yeah. Um, yeah. But but even like the setup any... is kind of... Yeah. Yeah, they're science. I mean, they have the one non-scientist who's who's the heart of right. the group. Because I think Patty yeah. is the heart of that group, you know, and I related to her so much because she was just, you know, I hang out with smart, nerdy white girls all the time, too. And also, <laughs> also, um, she knew, she loved, she was, she loved New York. She was, she, she knew, she knew all the history because Manhattan is one big graveyard. Yeah. And so is Brooklyn. Like the trader just I took um a trolley tour like during Halloween, Madame Morbid's, I think it is. And you know, the Trader Joe on Court Street used to be a graveyard. Oh dear. Thank you for that next time you're buying olive oil. That's right. You're you're buying olive oil on dead bodies. That's right. You moved the headstones, but you didn't move the bodies. Thank you. So, I mean, oh, the, deep cut. the thing that really struck me in the opening was, okay, you know, we've got the, the, we've got the place where the ghost is, and then we're, we're kind of gradually gathering the team together, and then they go investigate this ghost, but it's all, like, so slow-paced in comparison to the original, and I'm just, and I'm watching this, and I'm thinking, why is this so much slower-paced than a movie from 1984? Shouldn't it be the other way around? Uh, but no, that there's there's a whole lot of gathering that, and they don't suit up as the Ghostbusters until like forty eight minutes into the movie. Yeah, which seems insane to me. But how long did the Ghostbusters wait till they suited it up, like the original? I feel like I'm feeling like that I had like to be within the first twenty minutes. I I don't know for yeah. sure, but I didn't double check that. Um, but it okay. I mean, even if it was about the same amount of time, it felt like less time. You know what I mean? Hmm. Yeah, it was. It was a very slow build. Yeah, yeah. After, so you know, Egon yeah. had already had a Twinkie. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, we so we've got we've got Kristen Wiig as Erin Gilbert, and she's at Columbia. She's trying to get tenure. She's just about to get tenure, and then. Yeah. Unexpectedly, this this book that she co-wrote with Melissa McCarthy's character, uh, Abby, called Ghosts from the Past, uh, Abby has like brought it back into print without Aaron's knowledge. 
and Kristen Wiig doesn't really believe in all the ghost stuff anymore, all the supernatural. So she's like, hey, this could really screw things up for me because it doesn't look good as I'm trying to be like this respectable professor type. Totally trying to be a Sam Winchester. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then we find out that, yeah, like Aaron and Abby were good friends. They've known each other since high school, but they've kind of grown apart, you know, especially mm-hmm. because of the book. And, um, and uh, yeah, yeah. Now Abby's teaching at this kind of rundown school. The, uh, the, I believe it's called the, the Higgins, Kenneth P. Higgins. Was Institute it Higgins? I thought it was actually in Columbia. No, no. Uh, uh, Kristen Wiig's character is working at Columbia. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Melissa McCarthy's oh, okay. character yes. is working. She's working yeah. at the Rundown Higgins Institute with Kate McKinnon's character, um, Holtzman. Uh, Holtzman. Uh, yes, Julian Holtzman. I I will and, say uh, I loved Kate McKinnon in this movie. She oh, was man. awesome. I was like, just give me more Holtzman. Inject the Holtzman directly into my veins because. I thought she was far and away the best performance in the movie. She was awesome. Yeah, she was kind of like a. She, yeah, I mean, she was kind of doing like a like a like a modern day Harpo Marx in a way, where she was just so odd and just off the wall and just kind of just in her own world. It was like kind of endearing, too. And she was also just so supremely confident. I I really liked that. I liked. It, it seemed like everybody else was either playing variations on one of the original characters or they were like, I, I thought there was a lot of overlap between Kristen Wiggs and Melissa McCarthy's characters. Cause they were both just kind of nervous, you know? And they were ad-libbing a lot. I, I, if I'm uh, serves. Th- I know a lot of that was uh, like the whole Kevin interview. Yeah. Was, was yeah. a lot of ad-lib. Yeah. Yeah. That's, the- I didn't think the movie was paced very well just because it had so much of that shaggy sort of Paul Feig, Judd Apatow, yeah. we're going to ad-lib and it's going to be better than in any script. And sometimes <laughs> ad-libbing is good, but a lot of times I'm just like, can you just script a scene, please? Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I, mean, I think that's one of my kind of gripes about the movie is like there was yeah. a lot of that. Like you uh, like you mentioned, Joanna, like the whole interview scene with Kevin where it was just uh you know chris just him kind of, just chris yeah. hemsworth you know kind of going off and chris hemsworth can be funny yeah. but yeah it just seemed oh, like it was kind of because it, it felt like it was really kind of going anywhere and it was kind of meandering a bit and it, was, it felt like it was slowing down the movie and i felt the same way also about um those scenes where they were testing the the ghost catching equipment, equipment in, yeah. in the alleyway yeah. yeah i was like does this, this add anything like i, yeah. I kind of wanted them to take those scenes out and just kind of put those into maybe building the, and fleshing out the characters a little bit more. Cause I think the character, I thought the characters were all right, but I, I think I kind of wanted them to be a little bit more fleshed out. So we cared about them more a little yeah. bit. I would have loved to have more, like more into the relationship between Kristen Wick's character and Melissa McCarthy's character, because, you know, I'll jump ahead that scene where uh, Kristen Wick jumps into the vortex to save, Melissa yeah. McCarthy, like I felt like that would have meant more if we knew more about their friendship, and like, like I felt like that should have been a way more impactful, emotional moment. If, but yeah. they didn't really put much into building their friendships. So I don't think we really got the I, moment that they wanted us I, to get. I think that scene could have just been shot differently. Like we didn't have to see them both go in, kind of like you know, 
in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom when they think Indy's fallen off the cliff and all of a sudden you just see his hand and then he has the stones. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that would have been more effective. Like if like you just saw them jump in and then like come back out with their new scared white hair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they didn't they didn't make too much of the them coming out with the white hair. Um yeah, it was. Yeah, they never even explained it. They were just like, "Oh yeah, your hair's white now." And uh, yeah, the end. Yeah. They, they got the shit scared out of them. That'll, oh, that'll do it. Yeah, maybe but, they but, but they saw shit that'll turn their hair white. They, they the, saw in, shit that will turn your hair white. Oh jeez, I didn't even get that. <laughs> <laughs> I just got it now. If that's what they were going for, like, was that what they were going for? I don't know. I don't know. know. There are so many subtle homages and kind of like love notes yeah. to the original movie, which kind of helped and hurt because they, I know they didn't want to go into this movie like we can do it. I don't think that was the idea going in, like we can do a better version. I don't think, and I think a lot of people thought that was the case. I also think these people live in their mama's basement. Um, oh, right, for, yeah, I'll go there. I mean, yeah, it's there's there's a lot of Rowans in this world. I mean, look, yeah. I mean, I know, I know, they got uh, so much shit for doing this movie. They I mean, got this, so this movie much became shit. nuclear. I I think it it became like so many people voted it thumbs down the trailer, thumbs down on YouTube. It was and like the lowest to spread the word, like rated thing, yeah. And people were like review bombing it and all that, and they even made some jokes about that in the movie where they're yeah. getting like rude YouTube comments, like yeah. "Avengers can't be Ghostbusters," and I don't know that it, it got yeah. a little it, too meta for me. Uh, I think at one point, like it, according to I am according to Wikipedia, by May two thousand sixteen, the trailer had become the most disliked film trailer on YouTube. Like out of all the videos on YouTube, this is the one people hated the most, which yeah. is telling. Yeah, and also I think it's because it's like we—I think we talked about this before we got on air. Like this came out in 2016, which mm-hmm. you know we all remember what happened then, and it became like 2016. I mean, for my money, was the most you know contentious election year we've ever had, and like you know the most volatile. Now, toxic now why do you feel that year we've ever? Uh, well, you know, a, a few things happened, but let's okay. let's not go into it because I don't want right. to spiral and okay. cry. I'm I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna do like, some googling. I'm gonna find out what happened in 2016. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it was like one of those things where like there was so it, like there was so much toxicity in the air, you know, like it was like a river of slime that like all, it all kind of like all, that toxicity sort of bled into the yeah exactly. And it bled into the movies to, so, to the point where a movie about catching ghosts somehow became like a political lightning rod for people. And I was like, okay, that's, so I, I just found an article on The Atlantic, the 10 most significant world events in 2016. And okay. Oh. Oh, uh, oh no. Uh, oh. I, oh, oh, that doesn't sound good. What happened? Oh. I, Spill the tea, John. What? Wait, wait, wait! The Apprentice guy? Oh, holy crap! Yeah, um, I didn't. I didn't want you to find out this way. That doesn't. Uh, man, I, I, I have got to start paying closer attention to the news. That Thanos not not looking too bad right now, huh? <laughs> it is not. It is not. 
<laughs> I Thanos, mean, take me away. <laughs> look, I hey, I would have loved to have skipped over a five-year period. I'm like, that sounds pretty good to me. That's part of the fantasy of the Marvel Universe now. But yeah, um, so it was rough. But I also yeah. Point out that like a lot, a lot of the hate went directly to Leslie Jones, who wasn't doing nothing to nobody. Like, yeah, she- that's that part really bothered me. Like especially like when I think they when they when uh some hackers got into into her website uh-huh. and just started like messing with it, and I feel like there was some, at some point like they were leaking nudes of hers. I don't know. It's like it seems like she got the most of it and. That makes no sense because, like, she's just an actor doing a job. And it, it was like people didn't, you know, take out their anger on Paul Fee. They didn't take out their anger on the company or the, the film production company that greenlit the thing. They took it out on just Leslie Jones. And that, that really uh, ch- chaps my hide. Didn't, didn't she, like, didn't, yeah. didn't she leave uh, Twitter or social media for a while? Yeah, too? she did. Yeah. She was, getting, she, she was going to the point where I think when she was getting what is that asshole's name Giannis or something and he was leading the brigade oh oh uh, Milo you Milo, Milo oh he, that dude yeah oh guy. yeah he's a, he was he's a puck nut yeah. and then not only that because you know Leslie Leslie's a big girl she's tall she's statuesque mm-hmm. um, no designer wanted to, to dress her for the premiere really mm. nobody and she tweeted that and our beautiful lovely savior of project runway christian siriano said i will and she looked stunning she was she was given pretty woman realness she had this gorgeous red gown on with the jewels and she looked absolutely stunning but like she was getting no love from having to do anything with this picture and it's wrong and they're picking on her again and it's wrong and I love you Leslie Jones and I want to come over to your house and eat french fries and watch the Olympics with you because you are that amazing. There we go. Leslie Jones, reach out. Answer the call. Answer the call, Leslie. Patty. Yeah. (laughs) Patty. She's so cute. I I love that she loved, I love that she knew all these, all these, New York historical facts. I mean, because I, I I gotta love a fellow trivia nerd. I do. I I liked mm-hmm. that they tried to give her like skills to contribute to the group, but again, I I'm just kind of wondering, like you know the the liberal in me is just like, okay, well, why is the one black member the one who is not a scientist? That's not a great no. look, you know? Yeah. Like like the 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 one. Black person in the group has to be the street smart one. I'm like, really, really? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. and that's actually that yeah, yeah. Winston, yeah, no, Winston was the same thing. That's that's what I was saying. Like they kind of like um, I think Joanna, you mentioned earlier how they wanted to put out like how this was like a different take on the Ghostbusters, but they yeah. they did so many of the same things as the original Ghostbusters. You know, like you said, yeah. for the firehouse. And like even they had the thing where it's like four, three white scientists and you know. A, a black uh, Ghostbuster who, who's street savvy. It was, it was kind of following the same formula, but as it, it was with women, so it yeah. was you know, different it's, and new. I was like, oh. It's like baking a cake. You're always going to need eggs, sugar, butter, flour, and you know maybe mm. maybe they used almond flour. 
You know, I mean, the big, the big thing that struck me is, is it's just like, okay, why are we remaking this film outside of it being like this hugely known successful property? Why are we remaking this film with these four people? Because like, we've got very talented people in the cast. So why not just make a new comedy film with them? You know, make, make the next Ghostbusters, not like literally the next Ghostbusters, but ne- the next film that could be the phenomenon that, that Ghostbusters was. Cause like the original Ghostbusters, it arose out of Dan Aykroyd's interest in the occult and all the psychic phenomena stuff. Well, is it the original Ghostbusters? Oh, oh, are we getting into the whole filmation we, thing we can, now? We could oh. do that. We could do that. Oh, geez. I ain't got nowhere to go. Let's, did we, did we let's talk about go. this on the original Ghostbusters episode, Darren? I can't remember. Uh, we might have. I definitely remember the cartoon. You're, all, you're talking about the, the cartoon Ghostbusters uh, with the, the ape Tracy and uh, Jake and Eddie, right? Ghostbusters. I don't think it was. I don't think it was animated. I think it was like a live action show, even though it was produced by Filmation. And I think Larry Storch was in it, who who You're just passed correct. away. Yeah. You're both the, correct. The late was, great Larry Storch, who just who just passed away at ninety nine, because yeah. Larry Storch Damn. is a fucking baller. Um, <laughs> yeah, Storch. but when they were. When they were shooting the original Ghostbusters, they discovered they wanted to use the title Ghostbusters and they wanted to use Ghostbusters for the name of the group within the movie. But then they discovered that Filmation owned the title. So they had to license the title from Filmation. And when they were doing the cartoon version, they couldn't just call it Ghostbusters. They had to call it the real Ghostbusters because Filmation called it the Ghostbusters and then. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. the Ghostbusters filmation is Jake and Eddie Jr., so it's the live-action guy's sons in the animated one. And Tracy, the ape, knew work with their dads. Uh, I don't... I, I've been single for a long time. Well, look, hey, <laughs> no judgment, and hey, and, and no no judgment till filmation because you know they had a very marketable name and they they wanted to cash in on I it. I like, love that cartoon. That was, like, I mean, it only was on it for a year, but like, I love that. I love the villain Primeval. Like, mm-hmm. you know that that was that was two thirty. I'm home and I get a cup of cocoa and a grilled cheese sandwich. Life was good. Oh, very and, nice. And you know, oddly, uh, Kate McKinnon as Holtzman has the look of the animated Egon from the real Ghostbusters. She does. she does. She totally does. She totally does. I think it's supposedly just a coincidental thing because it's like Kate McKinnon created the look, and I don't think she said that she was inspired by the blonde Egon that we have on the show. Because like when they were when they were doing the cartoon, they did. Um, you know, what you have to do is when you're making a cartoon, you have to make sure that you can tell all the characters apart at a glance and all the Ghostbusters wear matching uniforms and they all have dark hair. Um, so that's not great. Cause like in a long shot, it could, you could easily mistake Venkman for uh, Ray or Egon. I'm so that's tough because Winston was Arsenio Hall. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Venkman and was... Lorenzo music, the yeah, voice of Garfield. Garfield. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I never, I never watched much of the cartoon cause I wasn't watching too many, uh, cartoon shows by then. Cause I was like in my late teens. So I was 
temporarily growing out of that stuff. But <laughs> no, I hear you. I hear you. But uh, but yeah, it's 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 very cool. It says it says on the IMDb trivia, Holtzman hairstyle and glasses resemble her counterpart Egon from the real Ghostbusters, but Kate McKinnon designed it herself, unrelated to the cartoon. So interesting. So. Okay. Um, Fantastic. All right. Uh, yeah, let's continue on with the movie. Um, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I guess we could also talk about the cameos in this thing. The cameos. Like, we, all of yeah, the... we got a lot of cameos from yes. the original cast in this movie. Yeah, so... yeah. We have uh, Annie Potts, who shows up as um, mm-hmm. the concierge at the reception at the hotel. Yeah, um, I, I like that she answered the phone and she went, what do you want? What do you want? Um, um, <laughs> that, was, that was cute. That was cute. Um, uh, have, Dan Aykroyd pops up as a cabbie. He pops up as a cab driver. He refuses to drive to Chinatown, and he, he says, "Classifies the ghost." Yeah, he says, "I ain't afraid of no ghosts." Um, uh-huh, get it? Yeah, that's the line. And, uh, what if and, Ray just fell down this really dark road, and that's what he was? That's yeah. Uh, but that he eventually got the bookstore back. So I mean, yeah, that's a, that's another thing about this movie is it does not take place in the same universe as yeah. the original Ghostbusters. And I, I remember Paul Feig said at the time he was like, "Well, half the fun for for me was seeing them like learn how to be Ghostbusters and invent all their equipment and stuff." And I'm just like, "But they don't. You don't really see them inventing the equipment in the original Ghostbusters. They just sort of have the equipment and they say they invented it, but we don't really see them testing it and." all that much i mean they they just say when they're at the hotel they're like hey it just occurs to me we haven't really used this stuff before but then you know they use it and it works fine yeah so, exactly like you know, i mean they, they don't go out into my... an alleyway and be like well here are these three devices that we're going to use and that we'll just use briefly in the climax yeah. and then not really do much else yeah else. yeah exactly like i they kind of cut that part out of the original and they spent it more on you know, building up the characters and fleshing out the story, which is, mm-hmm. I don't know, that's, that's, I keep coming back to that. But yeah, that's like my main gripe about this film. I really wish they had done that instead of, you know, doing, uh, having Chris Hemworth make, uh, Mike Hat jokes and, and whatnot. I, I, it's like, uh, that yeah. for me. No. Look, he's a beautiful I, man. No one's denying this. But yeah. I just, I don't know, I wish you maybe but cut I, back on some of that stuff a little bit. I do love that the hot dumb blonde was a guy. Yeah, Cause, yeah. Because normally that that hot kind of ditzy receptionist role would be a woman. Like you would kind of like they would cast mm-hmm. a Pamela Anderson type. True, true. So I yeah. like that the dumb blonde was was a hot guy, and I think maybe he should have taken his shirt off. More. <laughs> mm. All right, point sweet. taken. I mean, he did at one point. Yeah. He holds up, you know, photos of himself, and he has a shirt off in both of those photos. So I mean, that, was, that, right. was, that was fine, but full nips. You know, make the choice there. But uh, you know, like uh, Chris Hemsworth deserves a movie or two where he doesn't have to take his shirt off. I mean, the Does man, he? the man needs a break from his workout <laughs> regimen. Because, <Does> he... <laughs> like the. the to work out for the superhero movies, it is insane. <laughs> Humans are not meant to look like that. I think that's the beauty of it. I know, I know. Right. I mean, he is a beautiful man. Do not get me wrong, but 
do you want him to do? Just have Instagram filters? No. <laughs> he made a choice. He's going to stick with it. For me and every other woman in America. Uh, but yeah, we, we also have cameos from the other two. Uh, well, no, they uh, three other surviving uh, cast members from the original yeah. Ghostbusters. We have Ernie Hudson, who pops up at the very end as the uncle of Leslie Jones's character, who owns the hearse that they use as the Ecto-1. And he comes in at the very end and he's like, I've got four funerals this weekend. How am I going to do this with just one hearse? Because their their Ecto one is like absorbed into like the netherworld at the end of the movie, yeah, right. And uh, then we also have a. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I thought that was I thought that was fine, but I thought it was weird. It's like okay, you're bringing Henry Hudson in at the very end, and then you you cut to the credits, and you don't even have a, like a funny line or a gag at the yeah, end that of that. Was, he just it kind of fell flat there. I I just thought that was I I actually rewound the the Blu-ray. <laughs> Because I was like, wait, did I miss the final gag? And then I rewound it a few seconds and I was like, no, they just didn't have a final gag. That's weird. They were literally like, hey, this guy, he was in the original one. That's cool, right? Okay, bye. And that was it. It's like, I mean, you you want him to like raise his fists in the air and go, I love this town. Or, or, or. Mm be like, hey, remember when I was in this painting with Vigo or something? I don't know. Right. Uh, uh, also, uh, uh, Sigourney Weaver was in it at, at the end as um, yeah. as Holtzman's uh, mentor. He had like, yeah. a few mm-hmm. lines. Uh, but um, like, the big scene that was, was... That was cute. Well, that, was, that was cute. It was, um, it was cute, but then like again, there wasn't a really big payoff. No, she none was of, just kind of the cameos really had that big payoff, except maybe for Annie Potts. Yeah. Annie, Annie Potts. Well, I. Yeah, I, Sigourney Weaver definitely needed more of a payoff. Ernie Hudson definitely made, needed more of a payoff. Uh, Annie Potts and Dan Aykroyd, they were cute enough, I thought. Yeah. Um, and yeah. we have Mr. Bill Murray as the big ghost debunker. <laughs> um. What was his right. name? I don't know if I wrote it down. Uh, Dr. Martin Heiss. Martin Heiss. And so, yeah, he po- he pops up on a talk show, and then he later visits uh, them in person, and he is swiftly killed by a ghost. Which, I thought yeah. that, that's cute. If you're going to have Bill Murray appear, having him appear as like a ghost debunker, sort of like the Walter Peck of this movie, I thought that's, I think that's a cute idea. Yeah. He's always it's a little weird too. Supernatural. Yeah. yeah, it's a little weird too because like right after this, and like the next scene is the cops coming to say what happened here, and then then yeah, it's like the, the ghostbusters are kind of making jokes about it a little bit, and yeah. I was like, that's a I don't know. A I think there's always a good reason to talk about Patrick Swayze's career. Again, yeah, they just they just go off on a weird tangent where. They're saying like, "Oh, like Ghost," and then they start talking about Dirty Dancing, and then but they... I do love Roadhouse. Yeah, and that that I just had the feel her. of a weird Be improv nice. that didn't really go Be anywhere. Nice. But which people needed to do in 2016, but they were not nice. Yeah. Be nice. I, I I like the audaciousness of them killing off Bill Murray, but I wish they'd gone a little further. I wish that they'd like started the next scene with like a shot. Of him, of of 
Bill Murray's corpse and they're just like zipping up the body bag. I think that would have been great. I think, and it would have driven people nuts, but it would have been really funny. They, those oh women my God. Got death threats every day. Yeah. They did that. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, I mean, hey, you he killed. And then as a zombie. Like he, played, uh. he played the dead mayor on Parks and Rec, and it was hilarious. So, I mean, Bill Murray can that be funny, funny even as a corpse. This is all I'm saying. Yeah. That's right. That's why he became the big yeah. yeah. Exactly. And I, I think he would have dug that. I think he would have been game enough to do that. I think it's yeah. also kind of funny that, you know, Lorenz L. Music goes to Garfield plays Venkman in the cartoon, but Bill Murray played voice Garfield in the live action. Right. Right. Mm. It all roads lead to Garfield. Yeah. Yeah. Mirrors within mirrors reflecting each other. That's that's a good analogy for this movie because it is mirrors within mirrors because like, you know, they're they're trying to do this thing, but there there are lots there's lots, literally lots of mirrors. Like from everything, like I sometimes I think maybe it was just a vehicle to get Slimer and Stay Puff some work because they did eventually got more work. Oh yeah. yeah, they definitely did. Well, I mean, I know like they've. I mean, Dan Aykroyd he's always trying to get like another Ghostbusters film up and running because he just wants like the Ghostbusters universe to expand and like I think he wants his like yeah. own. MCU, but with Ghostbusters a little bit. Well, and I know I mean, this film has been in the works for the longest. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they were trying ever since Ghostbusters 2, because Ghostbusters 2, even though that movie gets some grief, and I think partly undeservedly so, I think it's a perfectly fine movie. Um, it's a good and, and movie. We'll, Bobby Brown's in it. Yeah, I mean, we'll, right. we'll cover Ghostbusters 2 eventually, and we'll probably have our buddy uh, Kevin Israel come back for that one. Um. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm reading on IMDb, it says, during the negotiation process for Ghostbusters 2, a deal was struck that gave Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, and Ivan Reitman incredible veto power. No third film could be made without the approval of all four, even if one of them declined to be involved, and Reitman had to be offered the chance to direct. Uh, it says, Murray was the largest wow. holdout with his reluctance to engage, documented in the Sony email leaks. Uh, resulting in several drafts being written, only to end up stuck in development. They did get all four of the actors together again in 2009 for uh, the video game version of Ghostbusters, which took place like two years after Ghostbusters 2. And uh, that was largely well-received, I think. Um, So, yeah. So they eventually, yeah, just made it as, as this version. And... It's yeah, I didn't. I didn't think it was that great, you guys. It's 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 enjoyable. It's not great. It's it's it. it they could have shaved a lot of the scenes. Yeah, and then there were some scenes like I think it was. It took too long. So I think it's in a, an extended version where after Rowan, the villain, um, right. takes over Kevin's body, and then um, he has all of the police and military like doing the saturday night live saturday night fever <laughs> see what yeah. i did there um hey and um i thought that was kind of a waste because in the credits you see them dancing that would have been funny to see and also um the late great rest in peace 
um, Michael K. Williams is in this movie. Yeah. Yes. Michael K. Williams paired up with Matt Walsh. Yeah. Um, weird combo. <laughs> and it worked, I think. But yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at this, I'm just like, wait, why is Michael K. Williams here? He And he doesn't have much to do. Why did he take this part? And then going back to that, he's, he's a phenomenal dancer. Like um, mm-hmm. any Club MTV kid knows about Crystal Waters. 100% love how he is in the video and how he is serving in that video. Oh, he is? Yeah. Oh, so hard. He's, he's oh, the middle guy. Yeah. I did not oh, know shit. this. Okay. He was, All a, right. he was a train. Yeah, he danced for a bit. He, he was a dancer for years before he wow. got the wire. Come back to wow. the middle and round again. That's oh, right. Shit. 100%. <laughs> Pure love. Never go... oh, I don't. I don't know if a dance sequence oh. would have improved the movie because, like, I, I've already, I already saw that in the mask. You know, I saw that in the mask <laughs> in 1994. So it's not. I'm not going to be too impressed with it. Like 22 years later, I, I love a dance sequence in anything, but that's as as Darren will tell oh. you because that's how we met. <laughs> dance mm. working a dance recital backstage. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, uh, Joanna. All right. So uh, one of your favorite. Um, Dance scenes in a movie that's off the top of your head. In any movie or this one? Because they didn't really. I mean, any movie, any movie. Oh well, oh god. Um, I love that's how he knows from Enchanted in Central Park. Ooh, um, I don't think I'm familiar with that one. Obviously, Dirty Dancing because I'm human. Oh. <laughs> Uh, the one in Love, Simon, is actually pretty adorable because Simon only has so much rhythm, but he wants to dance with somebody who'll love him, and I can relate to that. Oh, you know, as long as, okay. As long as you do your little one-two on the beat and you have dancers around you, I think that's fine. I think go for it. And I, I even love the little, when the girls bust their first ghost and they come back and they're playing Party Up by DMX and, you know, mm-hmm. poor Abby's just trying to get Kevin so badly. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Kristen Wiig's character Aaron has kind of a hopeless crush on Kevin, and, and Kevin seems very oblivious has, to it because she has sight. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, Chris Hemsworth is a gorgeous man. We've said this over and over again on this podcast. I think we could say it a few more times. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, and right. worth such a gorgeous human being, he could just like literally walk into any room and just be like, "Yes, I would like that person, please." And yes, and that person would then have to sleep with Chris Hemsworth. That would be me. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Wow. All right. <laughs> Chris um, Hemsworth again. Answer the call. Yeah. <laughs> Reach out. My number is not. <laughs> We also have a, there was there was a cute scene. Speaking of dance scenes, there was a very cute scene with uh, uh, Kate McKinnon as Holtzman dancing to uh, El Debarge. Yes, so, rhythm of the night to the beat of the rhythm of the night. Dancing the barge in. That's actually a cute line. Yeah, yeah, and I think that song is from like 1984 or very close to it. It's like that 84, is 85. From the seminal classic soundtrack of Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon. Is it right? One of the classic movies of the eighties. Yes. What, was it in the Was it in the movie Short Circuit too, or or am I thinking? No, who's Johnny? Who's Johnny? Who's Johnny? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Who that was El DeBarge's other hit. He has three. Oh, yeah. He has. Th- what's What's the third one? You wear it well, which he performed on the Facts of Life. I don't think I remember. You wear it well. 
Yeah. You wear it well. You wear it well. And then he did, he won a quarter of this beautiful baby making song called Secret Garden. And that's that's him, James Ingram, Barry White. And I think, I want to say I'll be sure. Can you help me out with that? Uh, uh, this is beyond my. This is above my pay grade, but I'll. Oh my God, we've stumped the band. <laughs> this might be <laughs> the first. Secret Garden. Holy shit! Yeah. But uh, but it's a big baby making song. You said okay. That, making that, babies, you say. That is, All right. that is some baby making music right there. That song. so if anyone out there is you know having trouble conceiving, they want to make some sweet sweet love. Go look up. The Barge's Secret Garden. Well, that's that's a good baby-making song. It is a good baby-making song. All right. Good to know. Good to know. Prom prom looked very different that year for some girls. Mm, Okay. (laughs) Um, By the way, speaking of of the cameos, we have an Ozzy Osbourne cameo in here in a movie from 2016. Oh, that's that's weird, right? That's like at least ten years after the Osbournes. That was weird. Yeah, the concert was weird. The concert, like that, could have been cut at least five minutes. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, I felt like the yeah. I mean, I felt like the concert was supposed to be uh, sort of like the hotel scene in the original Ghostbusters, like the first yeah. time they caught a ghost. Like I, I started to see. You know, again, we you see parallels between the first one and this one, and like how uh, them seeing the their first ghost at the mansion is a parallel to the original Ghostbusters seeing at the library, and yeah. them catching their first ghost at this concert was like them catching the first ghost at the hotel. So it was, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I thought it was kind of cool, but it was still like, I don't know. I think I guess maybe another one of my main gripes is I thought the chemistry between the four of them could have been a little stronger i don't yeah i don't know why it felt off to me i didn't i i I felt like all the character types were kind of vaguely defined except for holtzman i thought yeah yeah, kate mckinnon like really went the extra mile in defining her character and i was like she did she did um and yeah melissa mccarthy and Kristen wig were were just really kind of vague they were kind of there i mean they, they had a running gag with Kristen Wiig getting slimed all the time, but yeah. it wasn't especially funny. No, it wasn't. It was unfortunate. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think, because uh, like, I remember... It's just coming for me. Yeah. <laughs> Am I the only one with the slime? Because, like, I think about this movie, and I think about when we talked about uh, one of the other Ghostbusters movies, or one of our past episodes with Kevin Israel, and he yeah. saw this movie, and he said, like, his main gripe about it was that like all four of them are trying to be the funny one, which yeah. I don't know if, if it works like that. And like, I kind of have to agree because if you look at the original Ghostbusters, only Pete was trying to be the funny one. He was the one making jokes. Everybody else was being themselves, but they were, yeah. what, what they were saying was just coming out funny. Like Egon, right. when he says, I collect spores, mold, and fungus, he's not trying to be funny. It just comes no, out just funny. Egon. Serious, though. That's, yeah. that's true. Or like, Everyone in this movie is sarcastic. And yeah, in the original, Venkman's sarcastic. Ray is just very eager. Egon is very deadpan. So they all have like different notes to play. Right. And, and Ernie Hudson is just kind of the guy who's like along for the ride because he doesn't really know 
about any of this stuff. Ernie Hudson is us because we're like, what's going on? Yeah, exactly. And whenever they needed to explain something, they, they had Ernie Hudson there to explain it. Yeah, he was, he was, he was yeah. kind of like our narrator, like our narrator. Our he was the audience, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they did, I don't feel like they they thought through the character dynamics real thoroughly. Um, yeah, I think that was like my main thing. about. But it was cool to see uh, Steve Higgins in a scene. I yes. Know, pop him pop out of nowhere. Yes. I mean, it was cool to see him, but again, do we need to spend this much time on the firing scene? Because, like, the the point is, like, they get fired, and then uh, they then we get to the fun stuff of them being Ghostbusters. So we don't really need a long scene of Steve Higgins doing the shtick with the, the middle finger. The, the middle finger. I mean, it's just again, like in the first movie, it's just like the guy's like, "You're all fired. Get your stuff out," and then yeah. that's it. And then they're and then we get to the fun stuff of them setting up to be the Ghostbusters, so. You are, you are a poor scientist, Dr. Venkman. Yeah, I mean, we don't, yeah, we don't need everybody to do a bit. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even when uh, they go see the mayor, played by Andy mm-hmm. Garcia. And, uh, Ruby you know, his... they need a Laker game once. Let's really? never forget. No, don't forget. Yeah. <laughs> the mule. Uh... <laughs> uh, and, uh, you, John, when I saw Cecily Strong? Uh, I, I thought of Cecily Strong when I saw Cecily Strong. I but... always kind of, I always, when I see her, I always think of you, and I'm rooting for you. <laughs> Cecily Strong, answer the call. Answer the call. John's number is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I keep my my crush on Cecily Strong in perspective. I do not ever think that is a thing that will ever happen for real. I mean, well, if not I with ever that kind of attitude, her, Mister. What's <laughs> not with that attitude? Yeah. Uh, but right. no, I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, John, you're blushing. I can hear it. How did I make you blush? She's pretty, you guys. She is uh, and she can sing. She can. She can. Well, Looking forward to the second well, season. Like she could do. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. She she didn't she didn't have too much to do in this movie. She's doing like a bit of a voice because it wasn't quite her natural speaking voice. She she got a, like a little more nasal. It seemed like. So she yeah. was doing a bit of a character voice. She um, had a, she had yeah. Simple dialect. Yeah. Cool. But it wasn't. Yeah, quite, like an uptight. Uh, yeah. Suit. Yeah, she was sort of like either the the Walter Peck or the um, the guy from the second Ghostbusters. I'm for, forgetting the actor yeah, and the character. Yeah, yeah, the guy who was the replacement Walter Peck in the second movie. Right. <laughs> yeah, because I, I guess William Atherton was just like, I don't want to play another asshole, please. I was the asshole in Ghostbusters. I was the asshole in Die Hard. I was the asshole in in. Uh, a real genius. I don't want to be the asshole again. Please don't make me. People cross the street when they see me. I don't want to see you. People have been calling me dickless for five fucking years. <laughs> I, 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 I do not want this anymore. This is a curse! <laughs> but, yeah. So, I mean, Cecily uh, Strong is in it. I, I just don't feel like they, they gave her too much to do. I mean, what she was fine with what she had to do, but it was just like, yeah, anybody could could have played that part, you know. 
So yeah, yeah that's true. I mean, at, it wasn't, at the end, the, like, I think it's it's an okay movie. It could have been cut a lot. A lot of stuff could have been like yeah. A lot of scenes getting, but I think my main issue with this movie is that it wasn't even given the chance. Like people just went on full hate with it, and maybe that sticks with some people when they watch yeah. it. Yeah. So I think yeah. that, I mean, you know, from live action to filmation to 84 to 89 to two, to 2016 to Ghostbusters Afterlife, I'm going to just say it like I saw that Godzilla meme. All Ghostbusters are beautiful and should be appreciated. Oh, that's so sweet. That's, that's you lovely. know, be kind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they certainly did not deserve... They don't. They didn't the crap deserve... that they got. No, I mean, just no. For daring to be women and daring to remake Ghostbusters. I think. I think it's very tough for anybody to remake any, uh, like a comedy classic. And yeah. Ghost, the original Ghostbusters is definitely a comedy classic at this point. I mean, it would be the same if like somebody was remaking Some Like It Hot or something like that. It's just right. like, well, you yeah. know, why bother? You know? Yeah. yeah. Or like, like Back to the Future, which I don't think is ever going to happen because I think Zemeckis has. Some like type of clause where no one else can ever remake Back to the Future, which is I think it should be a Broadway musical. I I think uh, well the, yeah I think we're never going to see a a a, uh, a remake a movie remake of Back to the Future as long as Bob Zemeckis is alive. I think <laughs> yeah. Uh oh. I think it will be greenlit the day of his funeral. Sadly, but <laughs> and I think whoever they remake that with. However, they remake it, it probably will not be as good because Back to the Future is a near perfect movie. Like, yeah, as soon as some suit comes in and green lights, like, all right, we want Back to the Future with uh, The Rock is Doc and Marty played by, I don't know, some uh, some guy, one of the BTS members or something. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I could see that. I'd watch the trailer. <laughs> yeah, that's a, I mean, I remember watching the trailer for this and, and, even the trailer didn't seem especially funny. And also this came at a point where I was getting, where I was kind of thoroughly sick of Melissa McCarthy because she was everywhere. I was sick of Kristen Wiig because she was everywhere. And I've never been much of a fan of Leslie Jones. I was like, really? Me. I'm like, really oh, the man. only one I would want to see this for is is Kate McKinnon. And I, I thought she was far and away the best person in the movie. Yeah, Holtzman does get the most love. And yeah, yeah. Reviews, it does, like, it does. Critics and and you know armchair. Yeah. Alike. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I think it's what you what you guys said. Like she's the most defined character. Yeah, the other characters yeah. are, they don't really have any, like I don't want to say. I guess character their characteristics aren't really sort of defined. They're both. They're all kind of okay. That's her, and that's her, and like they're, they're not, there's yeah. nothing that really kind of. Yeah, they're they're, very they're, I just feel like they're. Yeah, their characters need to be defi- defined more. Like, I feel like yeah. with this movie, they they concentrated so much on putting in as many jokes as they could. They yeah. put aside other things like defining and shaping out the characters more, and the story, and the plot, and you know, yeah. a, a lot of st- like, a, and you know, and all that that improv kind of stuff that they kept in that kind of really didn't go anywhere. Yeah. Like, I was like, just well, cut I'm, all that yeah, out and let's flush out the story. And 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 Paul Feig has that style where he he likes to do cool improv with people, but it's like you don't always get gold from improv. I mean, there's a there's you know there's a lot of crap, 
And there, there was at one point, I think it was in Andy Garcia's last scene because he was playing the mayor in this movie. At one point he just said, that took way too long. And I was just like, that is the mantra of this movie, Andy Garcia. <laughs> <laughs> like everything in this movie taking way too long. We've got like five minutes of Chris Hemsworth interviewing to be a receptionist. We've got, we've got 48 minutes before they suit up as Ghostbusters. We've got an extended scene of them getting fired before they can even be Ghostbusters. I just, we've got scenes of them testing the equipment in the alley. And I, I the whole movie, I was just kind of like, get on with it, yeah. please. No, yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I agree. I thought it was a funny joke where uh, where Kristen Wiig's character runs up to the mayor and tells them that mm-hmm. how much they're in danger. It's like, you got to get everybody out of the sound. You got to yes. evacuate the city. Don't be like the mayor in Jaws. And then Andy <laughs> Garcia just shoots back, never compare me to the mayor from Jaws. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 was, that was cute. I did kind of like it. They have a thing where a lot of the ghosts are, are coming up as, as parade balloons. Yeah. For some reason. And at one point, uh, three of the Ghostbusters are crushed under a Stay Puft Marshmallow Man yes. uh, balloon because God forbid we don't have a reference to every single thing from the original Ghostbusters in this movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, hey, remember this? Hey. Yeah. As much as part of the franchise as the Busters themselves. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just like they—it was like they were repeating everything, though. And yeah, and there were there was some of that in, in Ghostbusters Afterlife, but I felt Ghostbusters Afterlife—I I felt Ghostbusters Afterlife was trying to tell its own story more. I felt like they—they they were steering it in a bit more of a different direction. I mean, there was still yeah. a lot of fan service and callbacks oh, in that one, but they, they yeah. did. But yeah, I mean, that's. That stayed with the lineage. That stayed with the lore of, of yeah, Ghostbusters. Yeah. And, yeah. You know. I, I wonder if this would have been more accepted if this had been a continuation of the original continuity. It might have been. Yeah. I, I really wonder if, about that. Cause if I, instead of, um, you know, if, if Ernie wasn't just playing mm-hmm. um, Patty's uncle, if, it was really, uncle. You know, yeah. if, if Patty's last name was, you know, Zedmore. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, the more I look at, like, the original Ghostbusters, the more I realize how that movie was, like, a miracle they pulled it off. It was like lightning in a bottle, because every time they try to recreate it, they never quite get it right. They never quite get that balance of comedy, Mm -hmm. sci-fi, and horror quite right. I guess the closest they came is Ghostbusters, too. Because, like, with the Ghostbusters Afterlife, it was more sci-fi horror and not as much comedy. Whereas with this movie, yeah. I think it's the exact opposite, where it's more comedy, not as much sci-fi horror. Like, it wasn't super terrifying, and I really felt like maybe they should have spent more time also developing the villain in this, like uh, the villain of Rowan yeah. and his, like, you know, the reasons why. I mean, I got why he was doing it. It was like, oh, he's just some mm-hmm. incel dude that wants to see the whole world burn, like the Joker or, you know, Taxi Driver. And I guess that was yeah. just enough of a... Of a that's all the backstory you really needed, I guess, but I don't know. Like it's it, it, as far as the villain goes, I didn't think he was. I didn't find him like super, like threatening or terrifying. I don't no, I didn't. I didn't find the villain very interesting. I mean, he did. He did a like a body hopping thing. He takes over Melissa McCarthy's character for a little bit, and then he takes over Chris Hemsworth's How character for a little bit. And <laughs> I mean, it, it it gave them both different notes to play. But I didn't. Yeah, the. 
this this movie I was expecting it to be like just okay, honestly, but I it didn't even live up to my modest expectations of it. I I was like, this isn't especially funny and it's not especially scary. It's just kind of there. Yeah. And like halfway yeah, was, through, I was just like, oh god. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's get that, but with Rowan, I think again coming from a female perspective like mm-hmm. we have to fe- he is a villain because we have to face guys like him all the time like right. you know he you know he kept saying how he's bullying he was rejected and you know even the two waitresses don't want to wait on him they're like no not, not creepy I'll yeah yeah because he always like, we have to do that every day there's always a rowan in our our life I'd right say. so i get where that was coming from because it's just like oh i started calling guys rowan after that and he's like well they're like what oh. that's <laughs> all right that's fair enough i didn't know i didn't think of it that way yeah that's, that's why i'm here that's well yeah <laughs> we we just we knew that handling this movie i was just like <laughs> we, we gotta get a third person to discuss this with us because it's, if it's just like two straight dudes hating on this movie it's not going to be a good look so yeah that's that's the thing about this movie too because it came so political that if you say you didn't like it then people automatically think you know like you're like a maga joe rogan bro yeah and it's and so it's hard to be critical of it like i feel like i remember when this movie came out people were like either saying this is the worst movie ever this is this is but uh, Paul Feig should be brought up on charges. This is a travesty. And then there were other people that were like, "How dare you? This movie's amazing. It's it's like one of the top five best movies of all time." And whereas yeah. the truth is really kind of lies in the middle. It's just yeah. oh, it's just okay. But it's like a thing where just, I don't yeah. know. It, it became but yeah, it just I mean, became hard to when, to, when you make a just okay remake of what is again a comedy classic. It, it becomes this outrage and and when you bring like the sexual politics on top of that it's just it just becomes a mess so um i would just yeah. like to state for the record uh i don't like this movie i didn't like this movie that doesn't mean i don't think women are are funny or, <laughs> or anything like that um paul feig you did not ruin my childhood my childhood is still good it's still good <laughs> was very happy with it i'm still happy with it didn't like this one so much but you've done other things i like you yeah. you made free two geeks so you've got yeah. a lifetime pass from me paul feig so yeah absolutely it is weird how like after this movie came out paul feig kind of stopped making comedies for a while because like for a while he was like really? the goat he was like the hot new comedic director for like female comedies because he, he did bridesmaids he did Spy. Right. He did The Heat. Um, was Spy before this? Then, I thought Spy was after this. It was before this. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I think that, yeah this right. was this. Yeah, this was like the first, the fourth time he worked with uh, Melissa McCarthy. Then this uh-huh. movie came out, and then the next movie he did was like a stylish uh, noir whodunit with um, Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively. A simple favor. Oh, that was so. And nice. then he. Oh, I I yeah didn't realize that was Paul Feig. Wow, that's that's funky. Yeah, he, he okay, kind of yeah he kind of laid low after this film came right. out. He like rebranded himself. That's that's interesting. Okay. Yeah, it's just like oh wow, this movie really uh, took a lot out of everybody. 
Uh, I found an interesting quote uh, from <laughs> from Dan Aykroyd uh, from, on IMDb trivia page. He said, "It says in a televised interview after the movie was released, Dan Aykroyd said." You know the director, he spent too much on it. He didn't shoot scenes we suggested to him and several scenes that were going to be needed. And he said, yeah, we don't need them. Then we tested the movie and they needed them and he had to go back. About 30 to 40 million in reshoots. So he will not be back on the Sony lot anytime soon. Shortly thereafter, Sony clarified that the actual cost of the reshoots was three to four million. Oh, that's a big difference. And Aykroyd oh. subsequently apologized to Paul Feig on social media, saying the film was a good movie and had a superb cast. But oh. I, I did not think that was possible. Dan Aykroyd saying negative things about Ghostbusters. I mean, yeah, wow. that's, that's his baby. <laughs> That is his baby. Uh, and I remember I remember like the old cast the, or the original cast all appearing with the new cast on I think it was Late Night with Seth Meyers. Yeah. And you know they they were really putting on a real show of solidarity to show that they supported this new movie and they supported the new cast and it still just didn't I mean the movie I I think it's pretty undeniable the movie was a disappointment because they never made a sequel to it and they instead rebooted it with Ghostbusters Afterlife. So uh, yeah, I mean, when the movie the movie had a hundred forty four million budget, it made mm-hmm. two hundred twenty nine mil. So it made money, but like I think if you account for all the money they spent on advertising, like people might say it's like a bust. So and plus, I mean, with that and all the negative, you know, press mm-hmm. and hate that it got, like I I think a lot of people who worked on this film feel like you know, it really wasn't worth it in the end, which is a bummer because like it's. Because mm. it, it should have worked, I think. Because you got like four comedic powerhouses as the four leads. You got Paul Feig, who's directed some amazing comedies. Uh, this yeah. film was written by Paul Feig and Katie DePold, who, uh, if you don't know Katie DePold, she wrote on Mad TV. She wrote The Heat that Paul Feig directed. And she also wrote on one of my favorite sitcoms of all time, Parks and Recreation. So there's a lot of comedy people involved in this movie but yeah for some it just didn't it just it just didn't come together like it should have i have the perfect analogy for this movie okay go for it so it's it's one of the running gags um Mm -hmm. involving chinese food yes and it's just simply not the right all abby most mccarthy wants is the shrimp or wonton ratio to broth yes because at one point there's one sad little wonton, if that, or one sad little shrimp in some hot water. It doesn't even look like broth. And then at the end, you know, the, the, the delivery guy is so grateful that the Ghostbusters have saved the city that all he puts is, and you know, you just want that shrimp to broth ratio. Otherwise, yeah. you're going to get, mm. you know, all the ingredients are there, but it's got to be a good ratio. And I think that also goes for equal pay in the workforce. We just want enough broth and shrimp ratio. Yes, fantastic. All right. Yeah, I would agree with that. I I, I will say, yeah, female Ghostbusters should absolutely be paid equally to male Ghostbusters. You're doing the same job. You're all busting ghosts. ghosts. Makes you feel good. You're you're all busting ghosts. We We don't want the female Ghostbusters making like 75 cents on the dollar. Not with all that equipment. Damn straight. No, exactly. That's Especially right. a lot of equipment. Going it up. I mean, yeah. So, 
Yeah, didn't really work. Uh, I guess I'm glad I saw it. I did. I didn't like it very much. I'm. I'm honestly glad I didn't have to pay for it. I'm glad I decided to borrow it from the library instead of renting it on a streaming service. Uh, so. Yeah, I'm the same way. And like it's. Uh, I mean, I, I talked about my gripes about this movie. I just feel like it needed to be developed more. Uh, it needed more to to you know borrow from Joanna's analogy. Just needed a better soup to wonton shrimp ratio it, yes. it just needed it was too much comedy and not enough sci-fi horror for me and like it it i don't know it, it, it could it just was it just kind of left me feeling feeling like like you were hungry again okay. two hours later <laughs> yeah it was just exactly it was okay yeah. i guess yeah. And even at, and you could you could tell they were hoping it would be something because there's a post credit scene at the very end where um, the Ghostbusters are in their new offices, and the they get the firehouse. They get the and, firehouse. Um, yeah, they get the firehouse, and um, like there is Patty listening to some audio recordings, and then she's like, "Hey, I, this sounds weird. Does anybody know what Zool means?" And then it just cuts to cuts to black. You could tell oh, that was the setup for what they thought would be the sequel, but that that, that was their little sequel hook. And yeah, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. is there a sadder thing in a movie than like a sequel hook for a sequel that never happens? Yeah, <laughs> where they're just like, here's where we're gonna go next, guys. You, I bet you can't wait to see this. It's kind of like the end of um, the most recent uh, release of Hellboy. Uh huh. And then at the end, you 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 see you see a body part that you know belongs to Abe. Oh. Oh. Or or the end of the the Green Lantern movie when Sinestro puts on the yellow ring and he his his outfit turns into the yellow and he's just and you're like, oh Sinestro's gonna do all this badass shit in the next movie. Well no, because this movie wasn't good, so you're not getting a sequel. Or at the end of uh Justice League when uh was it uh uh uh, Jesse, the Joker, uh, Lex Luthor, yeah. Oh yeah, no, Lex Luthor. He says, "We're gonna form a league of our own." <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, could you not have your supervillain say a line that makes me think of a a, a movie about a female baseball team in the 1940s? Because <laughs> I'm not gonna fear this guy when he's making me recall Penny Marshall movies. <laughs> Avoid the clap, Lex Luthor. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's uh, and that's good yeah, advice. Well, one of my favorite uh, podcasts, um, the Weekly Planet, they do. They call that the game is on uh, when they're doing like the teaser for the sequel that that never happened. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's the just the game is hilarious. on. Yeah, there there was some movie, and I'm forgetting. I, I think it was maybe the Mummy or something like that, or or no, it was it was like a, a Dracula movie, and and they had some post credits tag where where the guy literally goes, "Oh, the game is on," and the, never never happened. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, what does game is mean? So, yeah, uh, the game is off. Game is off. I don't think we're gonna see like a uh, Ghostbusters No Way Home where we re- reunite all the all the Ghostbusters together in twenty years. I, I don't think that uh, one's gonna happen. That's not gonna happen. Yeah, Ghostbusters in another, of another timeline, perhaps in another timeline, in another uh, universe, another Earth. No. Well, it might it might have been funny if they just had a tag of them getting like a cease and desist from the original Ghostbusters. 
Oh, wow. And I'm like, hey, you're you're infringing on our name and our logo. Uh, we don't like this. <laughs> yeah. We'll see you in court. And there's we'll and there, and then the lawyer is Lewis Tully. And then the lawyer is Lewis Tully. We oh get Mike Moranis in there. Yeah. Start the treatment, D. That is genius. <laughs> okay, who brought the dog? <laughs> you know what this movie needed? This movie needed some Gene Kasem is what it needed. <gasps> it did. She could have been just talking. everywhere in the city. Yeah. She could yeah, have been the mayor. Could've. That would have been hilarious. That that would have been hilarious if Gene Kasem showed up as the mayor and she was just playing it the same as her character from the original Ghostbusters. I would have loved that. You just see the like view of the side ponytail as she's walking into the office. Yeah. And she's just talking in that high-pitched voice. That would have been fun. Guys, I think we're talking... I think we're writing a better Ghostbusters than the movie we actually saw. I, I think we are. I think we are. We know the proper portion of, proportion of wontons to soup. So, yeah. Well, you know, call us next time. Yeah. Sony. Answer the call. <laughs> Answer the call. Our number is. Answer the call. We're ready <laughs> to believe you. <laughs> oh, oh, I love that line. So much. I mean, oh, we all do. We all do. I I clapped when they showed the bust of him in the movie. I clapped in the theater. I I, I somehow missed that completely. I'm gonna have to go back and look at that scene because he he a bust of him shows up early on, and I yeah. must have been taking a note or something because I totally missed that. I, I gotta go back him. and check that out. I'm gonna send you guys a picture. The year he passed, um, I went to the firehouse. Eight hook and ladder. Yeah. I left flowers in a Twinkie. Oh. And um, I I dressed up as Egon for Halloween that year. Nice. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. adorable. Carol yeah. Green is oh. fast, man. I love. Oh. I I think he was like one of my first crushes. Like I just he was smart. The great wonderful thing about Egon, which I think is also why Holtzman is such a defined character, is like, they know who they are, they're confident, they're not trying to please anybody, this is just what they do and who they are. Yeah. yeah. Spores, yeah. moles, and fungus. They are just, mm -hmm. they are just living their best lives. They're just um, living their best scientific life. I will, I will say, if they announce, like, a Holtzman spinoff, I would totally watch that. Yeah. Um, don't really need the other characters. I just, I just need more Holtzman. Yeah. Now you're so, talking. But, I mean, I want, I want to see Kate McKinnon and all the things. I, I really look forward <laughs> to seeing what she's going to do now that she's left SNL because she should. I want to see her headline movies. I want to see her. You know, have a, have a great sitcom if that's what she wants to do next. I don't know, but it, she's going to be really interesting to watch. Dancing. Yeah. With I the mean, stars. I, yeah. Oh my God, this guy's. A, I think she's one of those. She's like one of those actors that everybody loves, and she's so beloved. I can't imagine that yeah. she just has like thousands and thousands of offers. So it's just only a matter of time before she finds the right one, and then yeah. like you know, it's it's off to the races. I mean, I would I would love to see her come out with a project along the lines of like Barry or Ted Lasso that is just so beloved oh, yeah. and makes people like mm. reassess her as a performer and just be like, oh my god, I had no idea Kate McKinnon had that in her i knew she was amazing but she's even more amazing and you know get get some of the love that jason sudeikis and bill Hader are getting these days oh yeah i would that love would to be see great that. that would be a lot of fun 
Okay. So, uh, also, hey, all right, so we should also check our uh, Twitter because I think we got some tweets about this one. Oh yes, let's if do I'm that. Let's, let's check out the Twitter. Yeah. I have not looked at the Twitter lately, so I that is at saw, SNL like... Nerds Show. If you want to tweet at us, um, don't don't if tweet at us right now because it's going to be too late. We're already recording this. By the time you're listening to this, are... this is this is like days in the past. You were listening right. to polls a are closed from the past. Yeah, the polls are closed. It's too late, people. Uh, okay, so we have one from our, our good friend, Manette Marathi. Okay. Uh, friend, friend of the podcast. And Manette says, uh, the movie's worst offense is being an average comedy, while the original Ghostbusters was a horror comedy. Also, way too many special effects thrown at it. I will say that Kate's character during the final fight was cool. I'd, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Uh-huh. We just said I, that. You know, we haven't really talked about the special effects. I thought the special effects were really good. They so were. I will. I was impressed mm. with the special effects. Um, they they were very very well done. Because like, you look back at the original Ghostbusters, there are a few shots that look kind of cheesy now. Um, but yeah, well now. But now, yeah. I mean, it's you know, thirty forty years on. So yeah. what are you gonna do? Right. And uh, and yeah, we also got another tweet uh, from uh, Bill Brasky, big Bill Brasky. Bill Brasky. He says, uh, starring curring SNL writer John Higgins. Watch for him. He has a line. And yeah, we you do see for a second uh, John Higgins uh, from uh, Please Don't Destroy is in the film really quickly. Okay. He's uh, like, uh, there's a scene where the mayor, uh, there's a scene where the mayor is being interviewed on TV and the mayor is denying that there is any ghost. He's saying, like, oh no, there is no ghost. What happened? What everybody saw was a terrorist were drugging our water supply with drugging hallucinogens. Yeah. And then as he's being interviewed on the street, you see somebody walking by shouting Baba Booey, Baba, Baba Booey. That's yeah. John. That's John Higgins. Okay. Huh. That's great. So, because the interviewer is Pat Kiernan. Yes. The man, the myth, the legend, open. Pat Kiernan. And yes. many moons ago, Darren and I we're on a mm. trivia team called Tribe Called Queens. And oh. we and yeah. It's the and greatest night of my life. It was the greatest night of our life. I had the time of my life. Darren, 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 I Daniel thought, LaRusso I, crane kick to these Cobra Kai's and it felt so good. Darren, I thought the greatest yes. night of your life was the night that where we had the uh, debate at Just Jake's on the best comedy duo and uh, and that we was... made the case for, for Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith in uh Men in Black. I that was that was the greatest night of 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 that that of that life of that time. Oh that this was a different was life. Okay. Life. Gotcha. Yes, that was my different time gotcha. yeah. Exactly. We, I live we, many lives. We all know the greatest night of Darren's life will have happened 10 years ago tomorrow because it's his wedding anniversary. Oh, that's oh, right. That. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, I it is. There. I witnessed the whole thing. That's right. You saw the nuptials. It was a, I saw the nuptials. Beautiful. Not a dry eye in the house. She was a beautiful it was a great. It was, it, was, it was pretty phenomenal. It, it was, really was a good wedding. 
and I've gone to a lot of yep. them, so I can be judging. Yay! Happy anniversary, Darren. Yay! Happy anniversary. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's our episode, guys. Thanks so much for listening to uh, our little podcast. That's uh, yeah, Ghostbusters 2016. Not as bad as the incels say. Not as great as some of the other people say. It's just eh. As far we as can I can like the call, go to voicemail. Yeah, exactly. yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm gonna let the call go to voicemail. You can let it go to voicemail. <laughs> Will I return the call? Exactly. Uh, I don't know. If it, if Holtzman's calling, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll call. If it's uh, Aaron or Abby or Patty, eh, yeah, no, probably not. You can maybe return the call as an email. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> this movie could have been an email. This movie could have been an email. <laughs> Fantastic. Or a Super oh Bowl God. commercial. <laughs> Or a Super really Bowl commercial. Have. Yeah, I think I think he could have done this in like a five minute Super Bowl commercial. It would have been yeah. a great Super Bowl commercial. It would have been a funny Absolutely. thing. Yeah, yeah. And then you know we could have Absolutely. seen all the incels get outraged there. Yeah, they would have got outraged yeah. there too. Which is where I say maybe it's time for you to get a new doll that you can inflate. Oh wow, inflatable doll. That's that right. Is, that's that's making and a then, comeback. And then Kristen Wiig will. Show up and and just uh, stab it with a Swiss Army knife. There you go. Oh boy. Yep. Oh jeez. All right. All right. That's a reference to the movie. Okay. That sounded. That's a reference to the movie. A thing that happened in the movie. I already so, forgot it. That is already uh, swiftly <laughs> fading from our memories. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. So Joanna, thank you so much for being on our podcast. You're thank always you a the. A delight. Thank you so much for supporting our podcast. We know you're a fan and we appreciate you and we, we love you and all that jazz. Well, I love you guys. No, seriously, pre-pandemic, you guys were my commute home on the train and I'd just be giggling and they're like, what's wrong with this girl with all the hair? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Why should I have a dinner? Uh, yes. We make people uh, giggle on the train, Darren. We did it. We did it. We did it. Yay. Yeah. We did. Uh, so, <laughs> Yeah, so Joanna, is there anything you want to plug, anything you want to promote? Um, yeah, I um I am a part of this community. Um there's a great podcast called We Don't Wanna Grow Up. You guys should check them out. It's all the eighties and nineties cozy feels that you get. It's like having a snow day in a podcast. You get to just reminisce and it's a feel good podcast. Um, Stacy and Pete have it. They also have a great Facebook group. It's called the Cozy Club. Fans of We Don't Want to Grow Up. I help them out with that from time to time. You should definitely check them out. Um, mm -hmm. As for me personally, uh, since the Great Resignation, I am just trying to maneuver my way around. I do have a fabulous Poshmark closet, though. <laughs> you know what <laughs> <laughs> And I just want to thank you guys. You know, I listen to you guys. Darren and I, we go way back. Um, mm -hmm. We don't go way back, but maybe one day we, don't, we will. But we're new friends now. There's not a word yet for old friends we've just met. Oh, A stranger is just a friend you haven't met. There you go. Oh, Winter, spring, summer, or fall. <laughs> Oh yeah, gotcha. All right, Darren's singing, so we, it's it's time for us to wrap oh, things. Oh, miss our karaoke nights, Darren. Oh my God, don't even get me started on that. <laughs> oh, I can't, I can't wait to go back to the the, the stage. 
so, engrace people uh, with my like, singing friends. So next week, uh, cons- uh, we're kind of continuing the theme of heavily hyped things that didn't perform as well as expected or hoped for. And we are going to tackle a television show about a sketch comedy show that is very much like, but not quite, Saturday Night Live. We are going to cover Aaron Sorkin's Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Uh, This is a big one, people. Big one, big one. Um, We've got a guest lined up for this. We've got an Aaron Sorkin super fan coming in. Uh, She is... She is ready. She is locked and loaded. Uh, she is gonna, gonna. She is gonna drop some Aaron Sorkin knowledge on us. And I be a lot of fast talking. Yeah, there's gonna be a lot of fast talking. There's gonna be a lot of statistics. There's gonna be all sorts of stuff. We're we're mostly gonna cover the pilot, but we we also are gonna talk about some of the insanity that followed on the show. And yeah, Studio Sixty got insane, you guys. Uh, got nuts. Got bonkers. Yeah. It, so uh, it gets yeah. weird. It gets weird. <laughs> that's that's what we like. We like the weird. In a bad way. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's going to be next week. Um, until then, you can you can check us out on the social media. We are on Twitter at SNL Nerds Show. You can follow me on Twitter at Trumbull Comic. That's spelled T R U M B U L L and the word comic. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Darren Credible. That's D A R A N Credible. Yes. And uh, Joanna, can you want people to follow your socials? Should I mean, we plug only that? if they're going to send money. Okay. Okay. But you can follow me at Coco Masala on Twitter and on Instagram. All um, right. Yeah. So yeah, show her some love. Show send her some money. Send yeah. Some money. Yeah. Send me some yeah. money too. I'm. I'm send starving. all of us some money. Send all of us some yeah. money. We are broke people, so and broke. Uh, you know, send send non productive some money. We do have a Patreon. We've got bonus content on there. If you go to non productivecom you can find our Patreon there, and you can contribute to the Patreon and say, "I am giving you this money because of the SNL nerds, because yes. they're so super cool." So yes, answer the call. <laughs> answer the call and you know let it, and and let them know which one which nerd is your favorite oh boy don't do that don't divide us like don't that, don't do don't do that we're, yeah, we're fragile we, that. we can't take the answer we can't we can't take the answers no matter what they are yeah. what happened to simon and garfunkel mm. old friend mm-hmm. well i forget the rest yeah exactly yeah. so oh. anyway um all right so the next week please join us for studio 60 but until then nerd this has been a non-productive media presentation executive producer frank hablawi this program and many others like it on the non-productive network is distributed under a creative commons attribution non-commercial no derivatives license please share it but ask before trying to change it or sell it for more information visit non-productive.com